0: This podcast is sponsored by Rask Invest, my guide to money and investing on the ASX and globally. To learn more about Rask Invest, follow the link in your podcast player. Don't forget that in November 2019, the Rask team and I will be hosting investor events in Melbourne and Sydney with lots of great guests and giveaways. The events are sponsored by our friends at Sharesite and Strawmen.com. In addition to the evening events, I'll be hosting up to 20 DIY investors for intensive one-day investing research and valuation workshops. If you want to learn the nitty gritty of investing in businesses, follow the link available in your podcast player to learn more.
1: Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance.
0: The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast.
1: And in this episode, we're talking about our behavioral biases and the way our mind is working for and against us.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's a real passion point for me, this one. I love to read and learn and discuss psychology and particularly as it relates to finance.
1: Yeah, and particularly the way companies are using your behavioral biases for your good and for your detriment.
0: Mm -hmm. And we'll share many examples to make these concepts not so airy-fairy and out there so you can actually understand how they're impacting your life every single day.
1: So there's plenty of behavioral biases out there that people much smarter than us have given names to and narrowed down, but we're just picking a handful of the ones that are quite interesting to look into a bit further for this episode today. Mm.
0: And it's it's one of those things where you can go so deep on one of these things, you could spend a week on one of these biases and... Reading the journals you can and
1: study a PhD.
0: There you go. Yeah. yeah. And it's and, and for investors, and I don't mean to relate this purely to investing, but if you are investing, it's a very emotional thing. Hmm. So being aware of this, uh the this, this field of study can be super beneficial. I often talk about the three ways to be a better investor or to have an edge is to have better information, to be better at analysing, or to be to have better behavioural control or your temperament is better than everyone else. So those are the three things and behavior is the one thing anyone can control no yep. matter how much you've studied or how much experience you have okay so kate i think maybe we can just do, we're going to go to the biases but what is this idea of behavioral economics
1: so behavioral economics has definitely become a more popular topic in the last few years and we actually had ted richards on the podcast mm-hmm. from six park a few months back he'd actually studied this field uh, I think it was in the US or the UK yeah. so that episode's definitely worth checking out but there's courses popping up all over the place actually understanding how finance and money and how people deal with it and how they act, how they speak, how mm. they act, everything to do with money and economics and how that mixes with human psychology and it's sort of this meshed field of psychologists and economists and people in between studying how we act.
0: Mm. And if you think about it, the stock market or property market or anything like that, the prices and the performance and the risks of those things are typically set by humans. Yeah, And they're humans that are just in a big crowd. Yeah. So studying all of that means, means you need to understand economics, because you need to understand how markets move. And that's kind of like the intersection of all this behavioral yeah. economics. is.
1: So understanding how the crowd reacts Mm. And how the crowd moves because that's really what a market is it's just people meeting to exchange something
0: mm. and this is gonna go more broad too from away from investing specifically but let's say you are looking at a company or you're looking at a product uh, that you know and use every day let's say Afterpay, right that's a there's a big behavioral thing in that and it's called a network effect It's if some person uses it, someone else wants to use it. And because all those people are using it, then more businesses want to provide it. And it's Mm. kind of like this reinforcing loop. And you see behavioral economics in that respect of your life. So you're not even an investor. You're just in your everyday life, shopping, right?
1: Yeah. And it's also used in marketing a lot, Mm. often not in your best interest. No,
0: that's it. It's used to manipulate. Money out of your pocket. Manipulation is the, I guess, the more... Or less endearing word than persuasion but it's all to persuade you to do something with your money yeah okay so we're going to talk about some of the biases and some of the things that go into behavioral economics in that field of study we're going to go you go i go yeah so you go with one i'll go with another and then we'll just keep going down through the list that we've got yeah
1: absolutely so the first one is choice overload or as i saw it referred to as choice paralysis so it pretty much happens in every aspect of our lives, but especially looking at the topic of personal finance, when even listening to our podcast episodes, when it comes to brokerage accounts, when it comes to getting a home loan, there's so many options. Mm. There's so many providers because it's a business and people see the opportunity to provide that business. And so you have a lot of different companies out there all offering similar services. So when you're trying to make a decision or sort something out, it can often be really hard to filter through and work out what's the best option for you. And often it actually stops you doing anything. Mm -hmm. So you just have so many options thrown at you. And I mean, I've seen that myself when it comes to looking at stocks, you see thousands of stocks in the world and it just gets so overwhelming, you do nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing to think that we have more choice than ever nowadays with the internet. And yet I think making a choice is harder than ever.
0: Mm -hmm. And you see this all the time, right? Like even if you're a beginner in any field, but let's use investing or invest like shares more specifically, you think, oh, like I want to do this. I've been told it's good, but there's so many things I don't know. I've got so many choices to make, or at least I think I do. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to do nothing because it's easier. And, you know, the risk of making a mistake is almost putting you off you know, that regret minimization framework when you try and minimise regret. But what happens if I choose this? What happens if I choose that? Is that the right decision? I don't know. So therefore, I'm not going to make a decision. And this is probably the best way to start this conversation because there would be people listening to this right now that haven't made change. They've listened to the podcast. They might like the podcast.
1: But there's just so many... Like, we have discussed so many different concepts and tools and topics on our episodes that you may have just listened to it all and go, there's too much. Hmm. I'm not making any decisions. I'll just continue with my life and not touch my finances
0: but that's why and we'll get to some more biases in a second but that's why we structured the first 10 episodes the way we did mm. so you can go back and that kind of breaks it down step by step yeah. so if you're confused just go back listen to those and they just you can just follow that it's kind of like your, your plan for, for your finances yeah that's, th- a, that's one way to break it down right to, to have yeah, a plan
1: absolutely having a plan and sort of knowing oh, there's so many services nowadays that actually filter down your choices Mm -hmm. so we've talked about finder.com.au and canstar so they're often good to filter financial products financial services down by criteria Mm
0: -hmm. choice is another one yeah
1: yeah so you can actually work out what so if you know some parameters you know oh i want this to kind of do this and kind of cost this much you can narrow down maybe 20 options to a couple of options and then you can explore and make a decision between those few so that's one way to help deal with choice overload is using a comparison service or like a rating service or something like that
0: Mm -hmm. one thing that you know we see a lot is if you're in the supermarket and you get there's like 10 different types of baked beans and you go to aldi and it's a kind of difficult experience it's like there's this one baked beans yeah you just got to go with it so sometimes you just got to you just got to go with it just whatever you see in front of you you just got to make a decision you just got to go with it and see what happens
1: and that's the thing at aldi you don't go oh i wish i'd gotten this can of baked beans it's just that's the one you get. Yeah. And supermarkets actually do this on purpose. Now you have ten different options of the one mm-hmm. at Long Life Milk because you end up probably purchasing the more expensive one or something, because you just get so overwhelmed, so many decisions, you just just pick one off the shelf. Yeah.
0: And what and naturally if you have a choice of a lower price item and a higher price item, What we associate with quality is price Mm. so we think well i'll just go with the one that's the best or like it's only an extra 50 cents i'll just get that one yeah and that by doing so what you're doing is your mind's tricking you to think i associate price with value when they're two totally different things and so one way to deal with this is to find like the i guess the features of those things that you're investigating and make them i guess the determiner of where you go the the factor that you you follow so, in a brokerage account it might be okay I'm just going to disregard anything that's not, you know doesn't have an AFSL or a lot financial yeah. services license or if I can't read the if can't access the PDS easily, gone.
1: Yeah, and I think another area we often become paralysed by choices when it comes to our superannuation because there's a lot of choices in Australia. Mm. And it just becomes too much. Like The websites have so many different options. So not only do you have to choose a fund, you have to choose the uh, investment inside that. So it often becomes way too much and you end up just staying with whoever you're with. And mm-hmm. that might be charging you really high fees or you have multiple funds and it's just too much to have to figure out which one to roll them into and you end mm-hmm. up doing nothing. And mm-hmm. that's another place where it's good to use a comparison service narrow it down what do you want and try and make a decision off a couple of options
0: Mm -hmm. cool i like it okay i'm going to throw one at you and this one's a bit more quirky and it's a little bit harder to explain so you have to bear with me and i got this and we'll put a link to it from farnham street and this is a blog that you and i really like yeah i think it's probably the best blog on the planet (laughs) Um, and it talks about Behavioral techniques and talks about just life more broadly and how you can think about the world and use tools to decipher it all. But it also relates to finance because he's like a venture capitalist or whatever. But so this comes from Shane Parrish and he writes and he says there's this book that's by a guy called Paul Tuff and he references this psychologist named Peter Wason. So W A W A S O N. And uh, the basic premise is that there's an instructor in the room, right? And he has a room full of students. And he says, you're going to have to pick the rule that sets out what these numbers are. This might sound a bit weird, but bear with me. So he says, I'm going to give you three numbers and then you, have to, you, get two, you, get, you can give me two samples of numbers and then tell me what the rule is that I'm following. And so he gives the students three numbers, two, four, and six. So when you hear that, what do you say? Two, four, and six. What do you immediately think? What's the pattern? Adding two. Yeah, adding two so you would test it and you would say okay instructor the numbers are going up by two so i'm going to i'm going to put forward eight 12 or 8 10 and 12 also going up by two and the instructor would say that's correct it fits the rule and so to test it again you're feeling good about it you think okay i've got my positive feedback the next thing you might guess is 14 16 18 or maybe i don't know 20 22 24 right then the instructor says yes that works again well done and then Finally, you have to guess what the rule is. And you you think, okay, I know it's going up by two. So therefore, the rule is that the numbers must go up by two. Right? That sounds logical, right? Mm. The instructor replies and says, you're wrong. That's (laughs) not the rule. Yeah, And you're like, what? How can that be the case? And they say the correct rule is anything that is positive and increasing. Mm. Right? Now, I'm going to bring this home for you in a minute. Now, so that means you could have guessed one five hundred, as your combination to test the rule. You could have guessed negative uh, six, negative two, or zero, right? You could have done any different combination, right? To test the rule. But what you did is you actually confirmed what you already thought was true, mm, right? I see. Yeah. So you thought, okay, I can see that pattern and therefore I'm going to stick with that pattern and see if it's true. And I get that positive, don't mean rush that good feeling that I'm correct. But what you should have been doing is you should have been breaking the rule to test what you know isn't true. Yeah. So if you said negative six, negative four, negative two, and they said that doesn't fit the rule, then you might be thinking, okay, it's not. it can't be a negative number, right? Then your next guess could have been one, five, and ten. So there's no real pattern to that, right? Or one, three, and 600, mm. right? And so this is an idea that sometimes you need to break the rule to know if it's true or not. And this relates to something that we call confirmation bias. And we seek out information that is positive and reinforces our opinion because it's more comfortable. But that's not always the right way to do things. So, you know, in the stock market and in investing, we tend to seek out people who we agree with. It's like on social media. Yeah. If you're on Instagram, you don't follow the one that, you know, you don't that shares views about some political thing or climate change or whatever the things that you yeah. don't agree with. You tend to surround yourself with people who are like-minded.
1: And I think that's like Twitter as well. You Twitter same thing. often becomes this confirmation bias chamber and like the view echo chamber. Echo chamber, it. yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're not following people often that you, if you dislike someone's views or you totally don't agree with them, most people wouldn't follow them.
0: That's right. Yeah, you wouldn't because you're like, oh, that idiot again. I'm not going to unfollow. Like, that's yeah. the way you think, right? But in fact, if you're tr- seeking the truth, like the students in this class, If you're seeking the truth, you should be looking for people who disagree with you, respectfully, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and challenge your viewpoint because if you truly believe in your viewpoint, then you should be able to cope with the opposite viewpoint and be able to combat that, essentially.
0: That's right. So you need to test your own knowledge constantly, Mm. right? And when we say, you know, find people who disagree with you, what people tend to do when they disagree with you is they attack you personally. Um, which is not the type of person that you want to be in a debate with, you want to be yeah. fine someone who sticks with the subject but i want to I want to just test the beliefs of our listeners and even you Kate, and say we've had a lot of like this is a really political thing lately, and this idea of refugees and it 's a bit of a crisis right mm. now I want to ask you a question Does Australia have a more welcoming policy for refugees? on average, say per 1,000 Australians, do we let in more refugees than New Zealand? What would be your answer? I don't know. Most people, I would think, particularly young people right now, might look at the Prime Minister of New Zealand and they might say, everything that's happened, geez, they've got a really good refugee policy. But do you know that that's true or not? Do we know?
1: No, I don't.
0: I we don't know, do we?
1: wouldn't know in comparison to no. New Zealand, no.
0: But the media will tell us what we think we want to know. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to live your life factfully. And the only <laughs> way to, to get to the bottom of something is to find evidence of the contrary. Yeah. So I'll just leave that with listeners. They can find out the answer to that question. But it's one of those things where don't just go around following the people who you necessarily agree with. Get views from people who disagree with you because that's the fastest way to the truth. Mm. And you're only going to know for sure if that's the case. Okay, that's a bit of a really (laughs) mind-testing, deeper, dense conversation, but I really wanted to throw that out there because it's so important to what we do in life. Your one.
1: (laughs) I don't even know where I am now. (laughs) Um, Were we up to mental accounting?
0: Yes, we were.
1: (laughs) Okay, so this... I actually had a bit from an economist here. He actually, an economist called Richard Thaler coined the concept of mental accounting. And according to him, people think of value in relative rather than absolute terms. So they derive enjoyment from an object's value, but also the quality of the deal. Mm -hmm. And humans often fail to consider trade-offs and are susceptible to sunk cost fallacy.
0: Mm -hmm. Which is the cost, which is the fallacy that you invest something or you commit to something and therefore you have to be kind of like loyal to it. Yeah.
1: So you might've spent so much money on one particular investment and it's going down the drain, but you just keep chucking more in because you've committed Yep. and you're not willing to see that your original idea was wrong.
0: And okay, so mental accounting, you can't, we spoke about this off air because I hadn't heard of it in these terms. Yeah. And you gave me a really good example of how it kind of gels together.
1: Yeah. So I kind of think of mental accounting as you're valuing different. So a dollar's a dollar regardless in Australia, but you're valuing one dollar from one source differently to a dollar from another source. Mm -hmm. So you value your day job income one way, but maybe your tax return you value as. Less, the dollars less because mm-hmm. you just suddenly got a couple of grand back at your tax return. From so you just blow it on something, right? Yeah, it doesn't. But the work dollars from your paycheck, you worked hard for them. Mm-hmm. But then when you get your tax return back, that dollar isn't worth the same amount in your mind because you just kind of got it. Yeah, you didn't have to do much. You feel for it. But in regards, it's still a dollar. It's still your money. You're just getting it back. Mm. Uh, and it's just that theory. And maybe if you had a an investment and you got your first dividend of $10, that could be worth even more in your mind because you've sort of expected it, you've worked hard to buy your first ETF and suddenly you've got this dividend and suddenly this $10 is worth a lot more than your paycheck,
0: $10. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think I'd do something similar because like, there's another one that we call anchoring bias where we just like hook onto a figure. It's like if you have, let's say there's a product that's $500, right? it's a washing machine and you go into a store and it's uh, it says 50% off so you get it for $200 but you go into the next store and it might be say I don't know it's $600 but it's 80% off or something like that you tend to anchor to different prices even though it could be the same object yeah so I tend to do that when I'm spending money I tend to be quite loose and just like yeah sure no worries but when it comes to saving money, I don't have the same attitude and I wish I did. So I wish I was like more focused on like, what am I saving here? Yeah. Or like, should I keep my tax receipt? I probably should, but I don't. <laughs> but hey, I'm not gonna spend on that thing or whatever. Like I, I value different things in different yeah. environments. And I think it's a really good one.
1: And it's interesting. And it's also that way, like how that mental accounting's worth when, yeah, when you're spending money, you might think $100 is too much for a, gym membership for example for a couple of months but a hundred dollars on netflix and stand for a couple of months is mm. completely fine yeah and so suddenly you're seeing things differently they might okay i picked two kind of opposite things but yep. uh you might they might be the same cost for these two different items but you're viewing one as more expensive like oh that's way too expensive for a gym when you're paying that much for something else mm-hmm. yeah Okay. And you don't think it's too expensive.
0: Yeah. I like it. So mental accounting, I think that's one that I'm going to do some more digging into. Um, and my next one is something very similar to what we just talked about, which is a sunk cost fallacy, which is this idea, it's a persuasive technique um, called commitment and consistency. And I've got the book in front of me here. It comes from Robert Cialdini, who is a professor, I believe, of marketing and a professor of psychology at the same time. So... We know where his life went. (laughs) We're slowly going through (laughs) Owen's uh, bookshelf. Yes, we are. But they have a a few principles on here. So the six principles uh, that that are covered in this book. And they were originally designed for people to try and avoid being persuaded by big corporates. Mm. Turns out that... uh, the marketers and the psychologists that are employed by the big corporates got a hold of the book and started using those techniques to manipulate people. (laughs) And I got to say, I use these things. So just to dance through them quickly, we have reciprocation is when I give you something, you give me something in return. Mm. Namely, I give you something small, you give me something big, I win. (laughs) Um, The next one is commitment and consistency, which I'll get to in just a moment. Uh, Social proof, which I'll get to in a moment. Liking. So if you like me, you're more likely to do something for me. Uh, authority. If I come across as a very professional person, like a big hotshot fund manager on TV or a big investor, and you think, ah, well-spoken individual, they're very smart, I might invest with them, they could be a useless Must be investor. Good. Yep. So that's authority. And the last one is scarcity. And this is something that you'll see in my industry when you get investment advice. You'll see, ah, there's only 10 spots. Limited time offer, 86% off, get in now while you still can. Yeah, no, that's called scarcity. And it happens because they're trying to force on you the old supply and demand imbalance.
1: Anyway. Oh, I love that. Five seats remaining and yeah. they've literally got
0: 500. yep yeah, 100%. So that's that. As it's called Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. If you're into that sort of stuff, I love the book. It's and probably at your library. Yes, it probably is. It looks a bit old. It's written in 1970s, yeah. I think. Yeah, so, but it's, it's been republished countless times. Anyway, my bias persuasive technique is commitment and consistency. And... This would be familiar and it touch to most listeners, and it touches on a lot of things. So, and we've got the Melbourne Cup coming up. Disagree with it, agree with it, whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm just going to talk about what people do at the horse races, which is they take a punt, they bet on a horse, and study uh, from someone uh, from a group in Canada found that if you bet on a horse, even if it's at random, you're more like you're much more confident in the horse's ability to win the race, mm. even though it hasn't changed. Right, <laughs> Nothing has changed. You're just more confident in it because it's the horse that you bet on.
1: Yeah. Right. So it must be good.
0: Yeah, and it must be good. And the important concept here is commitment and consistency. So Leonardo da Vinci said, it's easier to resist at the beginning than at the end, right? Once you're already down the, the rabbit warren, if you like. And so why is this so powerful and how can people manipulate you with it? Well, being an inconsistent person is often associated with people that aren't very reliable so we think i said if i say you're a consistent person or if i say you're an inconsistent person you'd probably rather be more consistent right mm. and people used to say to me like in the investment profession they said well i'm nothing if if not consistent and i was like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> and um what they mean is like th- even if they're wrong at least they're consistent with that being wrong yeah. or if they're right they're consistent with being right at least they've got some sort of rationale behind it right and so i'll give you a real world example before i don't want to Go on for too long but you can see how passionate i am so in the (laughs) korea war u.s soldiers were taken to china to be prisoners of war so pow's right and this is all about the communists versus the capitalists and you know all that sort of stuff Mm. and what they what the chinese captors captors got the u.s prisoners to do was very simple and they touched on this technique is they said yes you're in a bad place right now but we'll let you write home to your family if you just put in this one sentence for us And so what they did is the PAWs were like, okay, that's all I have to do. And it was just this one simple, innocuous sentence, right? But then in the next letter, they'd say, okay, you've got to include that sentence, but you've also just got to say, you know, things aren't that bad here. Okay, then the next letter, then it was like, maybe you can just put this in about communism not being that so bad. Okay. And then the next one was like, now i just want you to say it's actually really good here and i want to live in a communist country and then all of a sudden you build up right and from looking from the outside we think you've just gone from one extreme to the other like totally fighting against communism now you're saying this right but what the point is here is that you've made a decision which was just to include this little snippet and you work with the i guess the soldiers from china in this instance Mm. and each little time you go on you're adding more and more of that and you're not going to say no when you're further down the track because you've already committed to it. Yeah. So you're less likely to, resi- to resist that temptation, right? And so long story short, when the soldiers got back to the US, they were treated as deserters and, you know, traitors and all of that sort of stuff. But my point here is that when you commit to something, it does not mean that you have to stay with it. And in particular, in investing and in finance, if you buy a dodgy stock or you <laughs> invest in something you should have, there's no issue in saying, I'm going to get the heck out of there. Yeah, and I mean, cut your losses, that's get it. out. Sometimes, you know, we, we think, oh, it's gone down to your point about mental accounting. If it goes from $10 to $2, we think, well, it's got to be better value now. <laughs> right? We do. But if the value is zero, then actually it's still more than 100% overvalued. Yeah. Right? So you've got to think about it and you've got to always remain, I guess, open to new ideas and to challenge your bias because it can lead you down a path i.e. the soldiers uh, example that's not great
1: yeah and i guess you're only you're comparing each step you do against the last one you did rather Mm -hmm. than where you were in the beginning Mm
0: -hmm. and your original decision i'll give you another example and this one strikes at the core of my business is we have two membership levels right and we deliberately make one a lot cheaper than the other one because if you take the first membership then You've, pro- you've proven to us that you trust us to take, to hand over your credit card details, get information from us. So that it's more easy for us to upsell you. Not that we do, but if you, if we wanted to, we could. And that's like, everyone does that. And that's just the way you're being, um, I guess, persuaded without you knowing. Yeah. So keep that in the back of your mind. Kate, your turn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm so mesmerized with your story. I don't even know where I am. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> information avoidance. Uh, so some research I did on that was talking about um, active information avoidance includes physical avoidance, inattention, and biased interpretation of Im- information and even forgetting the information. And mm. also you choosing not to obtain information that's freely available. So mm. I guess we do that in our lives when we don't actually want to know something. Mm-hmm. We might just choose not to look at the other side of the story because mm. we're happy with our view. And we, we're not looking for a opposing view like we were talking about before. We're not. Uh, we're conveniently reading the news in one way when it could be interpreted a completely different way. So I think especially when looking at our personal finances, we might look at a statement and think it's fine, but we're actually avoiding the rest of the details.
0: Mm. I think a good one is, you know, you look at your, your debt on your credit card and you think, I'm just not going to think about that right now. Yeah. Like that's an easy one, right? Like, you just avoid it. because Like
1: shoving the bills in the drawer or yep. not even opening them. That's a form of information avoidance.
0: And if you're sitting at home thinking, hey, I did that today, You are not the only one. We all do this, right? Mm. Sometimes you've got to be in a good mood to open the bill from the bank or to to look at your bank account if you're getting the mortgage coming out. You've got to be in a good mood because if you're (laughs) not, it's going to trigger you for the rest of the day. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a genuine thing. Like I try, we, we talk, we get questions from listeners, right? And some of the questions in it, they say, I've recommended the podcast to my family, right? And that is so amazing. Because no matter what we say, no matter what we do, someone that doesn't listen to the podcast doesn't listen to the podcast. There's no way that they're ever going to do it. Yeah. And even me, like in my personal life, I'm like, you know, I could help family members, friends, etc. I can help you learn to invest, do something smart with your money. And they just, no, nah, do not want to borrow it. Do not want to yeah. talk about it. And so like most people are in this camp, to be honest. Most people don't even want to look at it because it's so daunting for them. And it's yeah. not just investing. It can be anything in life. It could be a health exercise. Yeah.
1: It's easier just to ignore the whole problem, mm-hmm. not even peel back one part of the issue mm-hmm. because then you don't have to think about it and it's not really there. Yeah.
0: You, you had a good one here in your notes. It was just the last one. is if someone goes to like the doctor and they get a scan, some people don't even go back to get the scan because they're so worried about <laughs> what's <laughs> going to be written on the scan, <laughs> right? And that's, when you think about it, that's crazy. You, sometimes you just, you got to, mm. right? So that's a really good one. So that's got information avoidance. <laughs> cool. All right. We need to get a rig along with these. So I'm <laughs> going to be a little bit quicker with this one. It's called endowment bias. And it's related to the last one, which was committing and inconsistency. And endowment bias is, mine's bigger than yours. That's the classic line. So if you own something, it's better than what someone else, has owned, someone else owns. I've got a blue car. You've got a blue car. But my blue car is better because of blah. Meh, maybe not. But that's endowment bias. And it's something to be mindful of. And I'll give you a concrete example. I own shares in Apple. Shocker, right? But I also, here we go, can't see it on the podcast, Apple iPhone. And naturally, I'm converted. I think Apple iPhones are better than Androids. Mm -hmm. So that's endowment bias. Is it really? It might not be. I just think it's better because I own shares in Apple and, hey, I've got an iPhone. So that's an example of endowment bias. Mm. Everyone does it. Next one. Kate, over to you.
1: So the last one I had was loss aversion and the fact that we're more willing to take risks to avoid a loss than to make a gain. Mm -hmm. So we weigh up a loss. We lose 5% of our money. That is devastating. Mm -hmm. We make 5% on our money. That's pretty average.
0: Yeah, that's normal, right? Mm.
1: But also applying that to wider things of life, like losing five kilos versus gaining five kilos, we're viewing them very differently. Mm-hmm. And a good one. even though like it might be amazing to lose five kilos, you're not viewing it as a massive win, but if you'd gained, you would view that as terrible potentially. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of understanding the way we're looking at loss and gains and sort of realigning mm-hmm. expectations.
0: Yeah, I think that, The classic line from this, and this is probably the rule number one when it comes to behavioral bias and finance, is loss aversion to understand it. The the line that you get all the time is people feel the pain of loss twice as much as they feel the joy of gain. Yeah. And so if you think about that, if you lose $10 and you gain, if you gain $10 and you lose five, twice as much. You, it, you're probably on par. Like they probably cancel each other out. But really, yeah. they should be the same thing. Like up or down, they should cancel each other out. But you actually feel the pain more than you um, experience the joy. And that can be in many different walks of life. Like it, 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 People probably confuse it with humility. But it can be... It's, it's one of those things that you should be conscious of in every walk of your life. Mm. Um, is everything as bad as what it seems to be? And do I appreciate the good stuff that I have around me? You know, that's pretty philosophical getting into the deep stuff here but that's a that's one to be aware of okay last one from me (laughs) and it's another one from Cialdini's book and I'm gonna ask you Kate do you know why live audiences on a talk show and radio hosts let's say like Hamish and Andy in Australia will laugh so hard at their own jokes
1: because it makes you
0: laugh exactly it makes you laugh if it's not laughing,
1: awkward laughing as someone else is laughing
0: that's right right so there's this old idea that 95 of people are imitators and 5 percent are initiators if the initiators laugh 95 percent of the other people laugh so it's this idea and it's i think it started in u.s television many decades ago that if you just put like the the sound of like a phony laughter noise yeah maybe we could put one on the show um if you put one of them in people are more likely to laugh with you. Like if you and I are laughing, listeners are more likely to laugh, right? And this is this I comes back to this idea of social proof. If everyone's doing it, I can do it. And it's acceptable, right? Because you feel like it's the acceptable thing to do. Have you ever seen a child get a new toy or get an icy pole and look at it? And they're like, I don't know what to do with this thing. And then they see their friend over in the playground. They're like, oh, they're eating the icy pole. Maybe yeah. I'll do the same thing. And then they're like, oh, this is amazing. But they got the signal from someone else in the crowd and this happens both ways we see this in investing we see but we you and i talk about find some good investors and follow them Mm. you know it's free to follow their blog their updates their whatever twitter feed
1: yeah absolutely and we both definitely do this yeah
0: if he's doing it or she's doing it i should maybe do that because that's probably the acceptable thing to do and you see this like in you can see this in fashion for example you see She's got that dressed. He's got those jeans. They look cool. I need to do that because everyone's doing it. Mm. And it's the the same social proof, persuasive technique that you're seeing and it's affecting your your mind every time you do it. And I want to touch on how this can kind of work against you. Mm. So in the market, in investing and in finance and property, stocks, whatever you're doing, sometimes it makes sense to take your cues from other people. But oftentimes, I would say most of the time, it's better to make your own decision. Because we've talked about making our own mistakes before. We've talked about how there are some dodgy operators in the market. We've talked about how, uh, or, you, or you've seen, if you watch the stock market, you've seen how things can go crazy, like um, even crypto things, do I want to associate them with the stock market, but crypto bubbles. <laughs> Everyone's doing it, therefore it's great. Oh, wait a minute, it's down 50% in three months. And so sometimes you need to stick your head out above the crowd. And it's kind of a digression, but here in Australia, um, as opposed to the US, we tend to have this idea of a tall poppy syndrome. If you stick your head above the crowd, if you try something new, you know, you're worried your head's going to get chopped off. Yeah. But in the US, um, I found that uh, young people, old people, entrepreneurial people that take risk are almost celebrated
1: yeah they you know, definitely celebrate the uh silicon valley entrepreneur over that's there. it
0: right like zuckerberg and maybe he's not very celebrated at the moment <laughs> right but, now, but but jeff bezos uh, bill gates these are like the superstars of the world that have endured for decades you know they're not just yeah. some pop culture thing that comes up and goes down they're celebrated whereas here in australia we tend to look at our um leaders in some industries and we're like oh you know like we should tax them more or we should do this or how dare they say that well You know, maybe pay credit where it's due to. And for people sitting at home thinking, you know, I want to start a business. I want to do a side hustle. Give it a shot. You know, just give it a shot because sometimes you don't need to take your cue from what everyone else is doing. Sometimes it's better to stick out. All your your
1: friends might think saving up for home deposits is completely hopeless and just think, YOLO, I'll spend all my money. But you don't have to follow them. You can take your own path.
0: And yeah, and this comes back to that falsification right seeking out something that doesn't fit the status quo and growing up you're always like your parents tell you buy a house get a mortgage have two kids get a golden retriever and you know buy in this area get a house right maybe you should get information from someone who didn't do that and Mm. see what they say because it might be they might be all right you know they might have survived they might be happy but they might have done something completely different so that's worthwhile doing that as well And one thing, one last thing I want to talk about, social proof, Um, sometimes if you surround yourself with people who share a view of the world, again, it can be beneficial, more effective to surround yourself with people with differing opinions to get to the bottom of it. Like we say, we're the average of the five people closest to us. So perhaps a way to end this conversation is to consider who you're closest to, who you take your cues from when it comes to money, and are they necessarily on the same page, Are you on the same page? Mm. Do their ideals feel your ideals? And I think that's a really good way to think about if you're being influenced by society, the people around you.
1: Yeah, because we're very unconsciously influenced by the surrounding workplace. Like, If Mm -hmm. you're surrounded by people who don't like their job and you do, you're probably going to end up feeling some resentment towards your job even if you do like it just because of that surrounding. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. So that was a long podcast and it was about a very tricky subject to articulate so yeah. if you made it this far wonderful <laughs> I
1: think we worked out where owen's passions lie
0: yeah well hey i mean i t- t- we started this off by saying there's like three ways to make money I, I i read this book i'm one of those corporate types that read the cialdini book i'm like <laughs> oh gosh i could use that for my business yeah and i did and every day we're manipulated by different things right persuaded manipulated whatever It's important that you're aware of those things. And we've talked about some big issues here and ways to think critically about what information you're getting. Mm. And I hope that helps.
1: And we've included a lot of resources that we've found uh, in the show notes. So if you want to dig into it Mm -hmm. deeper, i definitely recommend checking them out.
0: Yep. And if you want to, if you've got something to share on this topic, I myself... We'd love to hear it. So if you've got some biases, you've got some research, yeah, anything like that. Yeah, send us your
1: weird scenarios.
0: yes yeah, send it to us. I'm Owen Rask on Twitter and Instagram.
1: And I'm uh, Kate Campbell and I'm available at howtomoney.online and Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus.
0: Yep, and you can also send us questions or feedback or psychology stuff at <laughs> podcast at raskfinance.com. That's podcast at raskfinance.com. Kate, thanks for joining me for this. Thanks for listening. <laughs>